Well, hello, and welcome again to another Bible teaching from the Ministry of a Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson, and today we will be studying again from the book of Acts. So if you are in a position where you can do so, uh, please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. And today we will be discussing the first 24 verses of Acts chapter 8. So, like I said, if you can do so, it's great if you can follow along with us and read along with us. So grab your Bibles and turn there. Acts chapter 8. So Acts chapter 8, and uh, let's go ahead and start reading in verse 1. It says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. Now this is talking about Stephen here, right? Um, As we came out of Acts chapter 7, we read the story of Stephen. If you didn't get to hear that teaching, as I always mention, all our teachings are available on various podcast forms uh, on our YouTube page by searching A Love Outreach, or you can go to our website, aloveoutreach.com. But anyway, Saul was consenting to the death of of Stephen, and at that time it says in verse 1 that a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Stephen was indeed a great man of God. Verse 3, though, goes on and talks about a man who was not yet a man of God, and that's Saul who was consenting for the death of, at the death of Stephen, right? But as for Saul, he made havoc at the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So let me remind you, as we've been going through the book of Acts, of what an amazing time that this was as it relates to the spreading of the gospel and the growth of the church, the body of Christ there. Notice in verse 4 that the result of the persecution against the church was that the body of believers in Jesus Christ went out, right? to spread the word of God. So think about that. Men and women were being ripped out of their houses and put into prison. And I think we can safely say that they were not treated with kids' gloves, as the saying goes, right? For the early day believers, Jesus, you know, for the early day believers in Jesus, they were living out the real deal Christian life. And I'm going to stress that a lot as we go through this study today. What is the real deal Christian life? What does that look like? I believe we're going to see that as we go on here, right? But they weren't gathering to hear about how they could have their best lives now. They weren't focused on retiring, inspired, building up their savings accounts, living comfortably, all of that kind of stuff. That wasn't what the the early church was all about. 
Because in reality, that's not what Christianity is all about, right? They were focused on one thing. They wanted the word of God to spread. Oh, imagine if the church today, the body of believers, people who at least profess to be believers, and we're going to be taking a look later in this teaching here about what a real believer looks like as well. But imagine if true believers were spreading the gospel today, and, and actually they are. There are true believers that are spreading the gospel. It's just not mainstream today. It's not the mainstream church. It's not mainstream Christianity today to be all about the spreading of the word of God. Again, it's about many other things, but it's not about that, unfortunately, within mainstream Christianity. But these people of this day, they wanted to see other people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And they were willing to forsake all to do so, just as Jesus commands people to do today. That's still the requirement to come and to follow Jesus. You must forsake all to follow him. You're leaving a life behind. You're being born again and coming into a new life where you are now obedient to the Lord. Now, here we see that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and, you know, they had a job to do. The Spirit of the Lord was leading the rest of the church to go out into all the world and spread the word of God. And all of this, again, was a movement of the Holy Spirit. The will of the Lord was truly being done in and through the lives of the believers in the early day church. Even the death of Stephen was used for good as it sparked the persecution that would send the word of God out. Think about that. Right, The death of Stephen was used for something good. A great man of God was killed, martyred, but something good came out of it. It was the spreading of the word of God. And that's what this persecuted church was all about too. They were ripped out of their homes, put into prison. So they had to take off, you know, the ones that weren't put into prison had to get out of there and scatter. But when they did, they went out and they spread the word, right? So some may ask, how was it that the apostles then could stay in Jerusalem and not be put into prison? And to me, the only real logical answer was that the work of the Spirit was more powerful than the work of the devil, as still is the case today. The Holy Spirit had work for the apostles to do. The Holy Spirit had work for the other believers in the church to do. So it scattered them, persecuted them, sent them out. But the apostles were able to stay there as far as we know, right, and continue to do what they were doing, you know, as we read the book of Acts here, right? Right. Are are you willing to serve the Lord today if it means persecution? That's a real test of, of our faith. That's a real test of where we are in Christ, you know, when times get hard, maybe we're not being persecuted at this point in time and ripped out of our homes yet. You know, uh, maybe we're not being, um, you know, ridiculed and mocked for our faith yet in the mainstream world anyway. Right. But there's other things that go on in our lives, isn't there? There's sickness. There's death. There's the death of a loved one. Things like that. All the many things that can happen to us in this world that are trouble times, bad times, things that we just don't understand why they're happening to us. 
But, then, but that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to our faith. Do we realize that God works all things together for good? All things. So when bad times come along, persecution, sickness, disease, chronic pain, whatever it may be in our lives, God works it out for good. He's doing something. He's testing our faith to see if we're going to persevere, if we're going to stay the course, right? But many people today would rather just heap up for themselves teachers, as the Bible says, right, or pastors that tickle their ears, that get up on the stage and tell you about how healthy, how wealthy, how great you are, and all of that kind of stuff. That's what mainstream Christianity likes to hear and preach today, right? But this is a false doctrine, but it is so prevalent today, you know, in the world of what is called Christianity. The problem is you don't find it in the Bible, as I've mentioned in other teachings. So you won't hear it from a Bible teacher like me because it's, it doesn't exist in the Bible. Okay. Now you can pick and choose some scriptures out and make them say whatever you want. But when you read the Bible in its context and you see the work of the Lord, it's not about that at all. Right. When Jesus calls you to come, he calls you to forsake all else and to follow him. Let me have you go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning to the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 14. It's back to the left from where we are uh, in Acts right now, just before the Gospel of John. It goes, the New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and then Acts. I want you to find Luke chapter 14. And we're going to look down, and we're going to start reading in verse 25. So Luke 14, 25. It's this interesting story here, right? Now, great multitudes, right? This is speaking of Jesus. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now pause right there for a minute. Because it's important that when you read the Bible that you pay very close attention, very careful attention to the context in which everything is written. It tells, it tells us in verse 25 there that there were great multitudes following Jesus. In other words, a boatload of people, a mass amount of people were following Jesus. But the thing is, is that Jesus knew what was in the hearts of these people. He knew that many were following him simply to watch a show, to see him perform miracles, signs and wonders, and to maybe even get a little free food from time to time when he did a miracle and such. Maybe they can get some free food. Maybe they can get something out of it, right? So here we see Jesus laying down the truth that will cut through the lives or cut through the lies that people hear in their lives today, right? How serious are you going to be in following Jesus? Have you bought the lies today 
of the prosperity and everyday easy street kind of life that gets preached in many pulpits, right? Nothing but good things coming your way because you're a follower of Jesus. That's not the life that Jesus said his followers would have. Nor did his disciples have that kind of life, nor did they preach that kind of lifestyle in what we see in their writings. So Jesus is hitting these folks hard here to cause them to question the level of their commitment to him. He's he's hitting them hard to weed them out. Okay? And he goes on in verse 28 and says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So in other words here, you who say that you are a follower of Jesus... Are you committed to him at all costs? Whatever happens, come what may. Are you sold out to walk in the faith till you die, even if your home life starts to fall apart? Because there's more to a tower, right? There's more to a house than just some shaky foundation. You've got to build up your faith, keep growing the spiritual house that you are. Keep growing in the Lord. And growth comes through hard times. Growth comes through struggle. You've got to build up your faith, right? Suffer trials and stay committed. Endure. A lot of people make the mistake of coming to the Lord and thinking, oh, everything's going to be good now. I've been walking with the Lord for 36 years and have not seen a life like that. I've not seen, I mean, I've seen good. Don't get me wrong. I've seen lots of good, right? I've seen lots of good, but I've seen troubled times too. But in those troubled times, I've grown the most. In the times of pain and suffering and despair, I've grown the most. Because I I don't believe in God in such a way that he has to do what I say. Or he has to do what I command him to do. Or he has to answer my prayers in the way I want them to be answered. See, I believe that God is great. God is greatly to be praised. God is awesome. No matter what, come what may, he is God. He is on the throne. And he's not about listening to me. I'm all about listening to him and obeying him and doing what he wants me to do, to stay the course, to persevere, right? This is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Read the Bible for yourself. Don't just listen to these pastors up there that look oh so good and have all the lighting and all the shows and all of the stuff. Read the Bible for yourself. Come to know the Lord personally within your own heart. 
Jesus goes on in verse 31, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. In other words, the battles are going to be hard, folks. There's going to be battles. And sometimes what's out there, what's facing you is bigger than you, stronger than you. But it's not bigger or stronger than God. So we trust in God, not the circumstances of life. Hard times do come indeed. The battles do come indeed. Jesus goes on, verse 32, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Cannot. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus without forsaking all that you have. It's giving your all. Nothing else matters. Mother, father, wife, children. Nothing is above your relationship with the Lord. He's high and lifted up in your life. Come what may. Right? Does giving up all that you have sound like the gospel that is being preached in many pulpits today? Seems to me like they're saying that you should get all you can today, that it's all about you. But you don't find that in the Bible. Salt is good, Jesus said, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the Land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is saying, understand what I'm saying. This is about commitment. He's not telling you to go to your mom or your dad and say, I hate you. No, this is all about commitment. Where are you in your commitment with the Lord today? So as we flip back to Acts chapter 8 now, what about these followers of Jesus? They were suffering persecution. Again, they were losing their homes. And what were they doing? They weren't sitting home. Woe is me. God, why aren't you answering my prayers the way I pray them? Why aren't you giving me what I want, when I want it, how I want it? I want it now. They weren't doing that. They were being persecuted, ripped out of their homes, losing everything, and going out and spreading the word of God. And then in verse 5 of Acts chapter 8 here, it begins to tell us about Philip. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of great joy with all that, huh? Right? There was a lot of very special and very unusual things that were happening in, under the hands of the apostles in those days. People weren't used to seeing this kind of thing. This was the, a gift of God. And I'm going to bring that up again. Keep that in mind. What you're seeing with these miracles, signs, and wonders was a gift of God. I'm going to talk about that as we go on a little bit later here. 
But God was allowing for many miracles to take place in those days by the hands of the apostles. And you know, not only the apostles were, forming, were, were performing signs and wonders, Stephen did as well, right? And he was clearly not an apostle. So it was a gift of God. And when we get to chapter 9, we will see the Lord calls a man named Ananias, who was not an apostle either, but rather just the disciple of Jesus, we're told. And the Lord uses him to go and lay hands on Saul to cause Saul to see again, for the scales to fall from, from Saul's eyes. So again, it's important that you remember that all of this is taking place because it's the gift of God for it to take place. There was a purpose. The gospel was being spread. The word of God was being spread. Today, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't keep bringing this up, but I'm going to. Today, you go to churches where they want to give you some signs and wonders, you know, maybe some gold dust falling on you or different things happening like that that they want to conjure up just so you can feel good about yourself. How many people leave there and go spread the word of God? How many people are willing to be persecuted for, for spreading the word of God? Everybody today just wants to feel good about themselves. And that, that's the problem. They're about themselves. They haven't died to themselves. They haven't taken up the cross and followed after the Lord. The time's coming, folks. When it's going to get real again, it's going to get real again. You will suffer persecution if you are truly going to stand for Jesus Christ. Jesus promises that. You know, he said in this world, you'll have tribulation. Right. Scripture says all who want to live godly will suffer persecution. You're going to suffer trials. Right. But verse 9 continues and says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. This is an interesting story. So hang with me because we're going to talk a lot about Simon now, right? But it says he previously practiced sor sorcery. So it seems as if there's going to be a change in Simon. Right? He previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. That's what he used to do, right? So Simon really thought he was someone special, to whom they all gave heed. In other words, they all listened to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. So everybody thought that about Simon the sorcerer. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But, now verse 12, but, I want to stop right there, because that's a very key word right here, because that's indicating to us that something is about to change here. The people used to be fooled by the works of Simon the sorcerer, but it says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So Simon thought he was something great. They all thought Simon was something great. But God is greater. And the work of God and the preaching of the kingdom of God is what really is great. That's what really changes the hearts of men and women. 
and causes them to come to Christ, right? There's a biblical pattern, though, that we see set forth here. When someone comes to faith in Jesus, they have, first of all, repented, right? They used to believe this kind of stuff. Simon the sorcerer over here, he's great. But all of a sudden, we're not doing that anymore. We're repenting. We're not going in that direction anymore. We're turning from that. And there's something today that maybe you need to turn from. Maybe it's a religion even that you grew up in, but it's not in line with the word of God. But you don't even know it. Maybe you've come upon this teaching somehow, some way, at some future date, and, 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 and you don't even know what the word of God says. And I'm someone that's telling you, get into the word of God and find out what it says, right? But there used to be something you believed. And there used to be a way that you lived. There used to be a way that you thought about the Bible. There used to be a way you thought about God. There used to be something, but the kingdom of God message, the preaching of the gospel changes all of that. So again, the first thing these people do is repent. They come to faith in Jesus. And then they're baptized. This is a fundamental thing in your walk with the Lord. I know so many people who profess to be Christian but never make that commitment to go and let the public know, hey, I'm being baptized, come and check it out. I'm confessing my sins. I'm turning from the life I used to know. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not hanging out with that anymore. I'm, I'm being born again. I'm repenting. I'm turning from the sorcery I used to know. And anything that's not the gospel of the kingdom is sorcery. Anything, by comparison, I'm saying. There's a lie and there's truth and that's it. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. So if you think there's a heaven awaiting you, but you haven't repented and come to Jesus, there's not. There's, there's no eternal life awaiting you. Nothing good is awaiting you. Okay? But we see a pattern there. They repent of something, come to faith in Jesus. They hear the gospel of the kingdom. It's both men and women. It's not, these are adults. These are full-grown people, men and women, that are making this choice. So this is why anybody that studies the Bible will know that baptism is for a repentant person, not for a baby. A baby cannot repent. They don't know anything yet that they need to repent. Okay? You can dedicate a baby. You can pray over a baby and hope that they come to and pray for them that they will come to a place in their lives where they will repent and they will be born again and they will become a follower of Jesus themselves. But again, these are grown adults, men and women. Notice also that Philip was preaching... Uh, something that brought them the opportunity to come to faith in Jesus. What was he preaching? The kingdom of God. A person that comes to the kingdom of God, again, has repented and is coming out of living a life that's in accordance with the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world. A person repents of saying, I'm my own king, when they really don't realize that Satan 
The father of lies is their king, and that's who they're really following. But they leave that kingdom, and they come into this kingdom, the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter 2, 9, speaking of those people that have done that, have been born again, says they are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, so that they can proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. When you come to Jesus, that's what it is, folks. You're coming out of darkness and you're coming into light and light exposes things. And life shows you truth, right? Light, excuse me, exposes things. It exposes truth and and exposes what is a lie. Jot down that verse, 1 Peter 2.29, or just put it in your memory and go read it yourself. But again, the kingdom of God is preached. You believe, you're baptized, you come to the new kingdom, right? This kingdom of God where Jesus is king. Jesus is your master. Jesus is your Lord. You surrender to him. You praise him. You bow to him. Whatever he brings you, glorify him in your life, come what may. And right now we're going through this test of this life, trials and tribulations and things that happen in this life, in this world. Again, there's sickness, there's disease, there's death. We lose loved ones and things like that. We don't want that to take place. We don't want that to happen. None of us do. None of us want the bad times. But when they do, our faith is tested. Are we going to persevere? Are we going to stay the course? Look at what happens here in verse 13. Then Simon himself also believed. This is interesting. I'm telling you, hang with me on this. Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So it appears that there has been a change in the life of this man, Simon. He believed. Right? Says it right there that he did. He believed. He was baptized. He believed what? The message of the kingdom of God. He was baptized. And what's he doing? He's going around with Philip. Philip was an apostle performing miracles, signs, and wonders and such by the gift of God. Again, I told you I'd mention that here a little bit later. But Simon was amazed by all this. So Simon used to do sorcery, but now... He's seeing legitimate miracles taking place with no trickery involved. So he's curious, and and, and he seems to be on board, doesn't he? He's hanging out with the right people. Now, when the apostles, verse 14, were at Jerusalem, or now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he, notice the Holy Spirit there is a he, right? Third person, right? Not a it. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received 
the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're learning quite a bit here from this chapter. The kingdom of God is preached, which is also referred to as the word of God there in verse 14. The people that believe are baptized in the name of Jesus, but we also see something else separate from their baptism that takes place, and that is that they receive the Holy Spirit as a result of the apostles laying their hands on them. So, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't just come, you know, as a result of them believe, being baptized in the name of Jesus. It came as a result of a gift of God. The apostles laying hands on them. You'll see why I keep calling all of this the gift of God as we go on. But let's go ahead, read verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So at this point in time, how was it that the Holy Spirit was given? Through the laying on of the apostles' hands, right? We know back in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit just came upon them. There were no apostles to lay hands on them. The Lord Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit come upon them. But then now these apostles are going out and laying hands on people. Then verse 19 tells us what Simon says, right? Now, you know, just one thing to say here, just because Simon says, don't mean you have to do it, okay? But what, what does Simon say here in verse 19? Give me this power also that anyone whom I lay hands uh, may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Notice that word thought, important word right there. Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now, how many people, though, I want to touch on that word thought here in just a minute, but how many people fall into a similar trap today? Again, some false teaching pastor up on a stage telling you to send him or her some money and then you will be blessed by God in one way or another. Or they'll send you something that has power, a piece of cloth or something like that, that that has power, all because you send them money, right? Some type of gimmick that they will use to get your money out of you. Now look, what we've got to recognize here with Simon is that, yes, he, he appears to have come to believe. Yes, he has been baptized in the name of Jesus. But what's the real deal? Think about that with people today. Many people go through that process. But where are they in their heart? Right? Are they still babies who need to grow? Maybe so. Or maybe are they really not repentant? Maybe so. But they say they believe and maybe they even got baptized. Right? But all of us have to grow in maturity in the word of God, right? And this is why, again, many people come to Christ today and if they're not properly taught in the word of God, they will fall back into their own ways. 
They begin to think that the kingdom of God is about money. Again, or they have some pastor telling them that they can be rich and have their best life now. All because they fully don't know the truth of the word of God. You need to study the Bible in its entirety. You need to hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that God needs your money for. Nothing that God needs your money. He works in the hearts of men and women just fine with no money, without money at all, without using money at all. His spirit can do that. Many people don't want to trust him. Even many churches don't want to trust in what the Lord can do. So they make their church about money in one way, shape, or form. Maybe they're not teaching a, a false prosperity gospel, but somehow they're making their church be all about money. They need money, right? Now look, let me tell you this. If you attend a local church, and if that church has air conditioning for you in the summer, it has heat for you in the winter, it has water, it has a good pastor that truly does teach the word of God, well, then your money will make a difference there. And it's necessary to pay those bills. You're going there and you're benefiting from it. You should go there and give to it. And you should support, you should support the one that teaches you in the word of God. If someone's truly teaching the word of God, you should support that person. Because he's doing what needs to be done, what the church should be doing, spreading the word of God. But again, make sure that he or she nowadays is teaching you the word of God. Okay, you need to know the word of God yourself so that you can know what's being taught to you and not just believe it because it makes you feel good. And you go post it on your Instagram about how wonderful it is. So, again, the work of God in the hearts of men and women doesn't need no money, though. He can do what he does. And unfortunately, Simon has digressed here. Or maybe something's being revealed about Simon here. And Peter says to him in verse 21, You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. So again, right, the apostles were laying hands on the baptized believers and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Simon wanted to take part in that. But Peter tells him that he can have no part, no portion in the matter of laying hands on people to receive the Spirit. And the reason he can have no part, no portion in, the, in that is because his heart is not right in the sight of God. That's the key thing, folks. Pay attention here, because what we are seeing in the scriptures here regarding this man, Simon, is that it seems that he did believe the preaching of the gospel, the kingdom of God, and he indeed was baptized. And again, he was hanging out with the right people. He was with the right crowd. But he had not truly repented. So then... Was he a real believer? Was he truly a believer? Let me tell you something. No, believe, no, no one that believes in Jesus is going to perish. 
Peter tells him he's going to perish. Right? John 3.16 tells us that if you truly believe on Jesus, and it's speaking of one who truly believes on Jesus, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. But Simon did all the things necessary. He, he believed. We're told in the scriptures he believed. He was baptized. But when you get down to the heart of the matter, it's the heart that matters. Let me say that to you again. When you get down to the heart of the matter, it's the heart that matters. His old ways were to make a living fooling people into believing that he was something great. That was his life. Today, do you see the... Do you see um, how this lines up with many teachings today? Hey, you're something great. Let everybody know how great you are. You're wonderful. You could be prosperous. You could be healthy. You could have all things good. You're great. But over time, the truth comes out. And over time here, Simon's ways came back to the forefront. He thought that this whole body of Christ thing was a way for him to get gain. He supposed that the kingdom of God was all about his gain, maybe, right? He thought for sure that the apostles would take his money if they, if they just give him the power that he wanted. Uh, they'd take his money, right? There are many people today claiming to be apostles, Many people today claiming to be something great up on a stage. They'll take your money. But the power that the apostles had, the power that Stephen had, the power that Ananias had when he went to, to Saul, we haven't gotten there yet in the book of Acts. That power was the gift of God. That's the gift of God. Now, do we all have the same gifts? No, we don't. And, and that's a whole another teaching that I could do, but you can read it yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right, about the gifts of God. The apostles here had the power to lay hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit. Philip did miracles, signs, and wonders. Stephen, like I said, who was not apostle, was known for signs and wonders, but all of this was the gift of God. P Peter calls it the gift of God. You thought that the gift of God could be bought with money. It was the gift of God. It wasn't a power that Peter had. It wasn't something that he possessed. It was the gift of God. It wasn't something that someone can learn to do. And it surely is not something that someone can buy. But getting back to Simon here, even though he appeared to have been a believer in his core, that is, in his heart, he, there was, he wasn't really on the right path. He was going to perish because of the thought that was in his heart. He had to repent of that in order to not perish. But the question is, 
is who are the true believers? And the answer is, the Lord knows. He knows that those that are His because He knows the hearts of all people. And in the heart is where a true believer is actually born. You're actually born again in your heart. Old things pass away, all things become new, and a tree is known by its fruit. The wickedness of a person's heart becomes evident by their actions and their words. If someone is continuing in willful sin repeatedly, then their actions are proving what's in their heart, just like it eventually came out of Simon's mouth what was in his heart came out in his actions, right? If unholy things come out of the mouth, as was the case here with Simon, then a person is truly not repentant. They need to repent. They need to take this before God. And Simon, this so-called believer, was exposed by Peter, as Peter, through the gift of God, could see his heart. And in verse 22, Peter tells him, Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought... Now, I got a little ahead of myself a minute ago and brought this verse up. But if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So again, here we see a man who appeared to have believed, and indeed was baptized, right? Or it says he believed. Let me, let me say it that way. The Bible says he believed, and he was baptized. But there was some repentance that he lacked. This is why it is tragic today that churches leave repentance out of their gospel preaching because the people in the pews or in the chairs in the modern churches are perishing thinking that all they, have to, all they had to do was to say that they believed and maybe get baptized. They were never told about repentance for who they are in their heart. Then Simon, verse 24, answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So where was Simon in his heart. Can we really deduce anything here from verse 24? It would be nice to have a written response from Peter here, but in verse 25, it, it carries on into a different subject now, which we'll get to in our next teaching. You know, Luke, who wrote this, he could only write so much as he gives us information about the acts of the apostles here in the books in the book of Acts, right, in the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But what do you see in verse 24 here? What we see is that Simon seems to put his problem back in the hand of Peter. As if Peter can be, you know, in, in uh, what's called an intermediary between him and God. But Peter already told him what he needed to do. He needed to pray to God. You see, the issues of our hearts are between us and God. Today, we can go directly to God 
in prayer. Okay? There is a throne of grace that is established in the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? There is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's made it that we can go before a throne of grace. We don't have to have a pastor in between us and God or a priest in between us and God. Right? Repentance and confession of sin is between you and God, and it's a matter of what's in your heart. The thought, remember that thought that Simon had. That came from his heart. And from the abundance of his heart, his mouth spoke. But the issue between you and God, between us and God, is a serious issue. It's an issue of the heart not being right. If you think that money is what you need, if you think that you can have the power of God and still have sin in your heart, you are woefully mistaken in accordance with the word of God. The truth of the matter is, is you need to repent of the sin that's in your heart. Right? Or your stated belief in Jesus, your baptism, and you're hanging out with the right crowd like we saw with Simon, it's not going to amount to anything at all if your heart's not right. Now look, one thing to keep in mind here regarding Simon, the sorcerer, the former sorcerer, right, is that the sin in his heart was strong. Jesus said that from the abundance of the heart, like I quoted as well, the mouth speaks. So Simon's heart was abundantly sinful, and his mouth spoke the truth of his heart. So if you have evil thoughts, and then you're acting upon them, like Simon did, this was at the core of his heart, and then he acted upon it, hey, maybe if I offer money, I can get this too. I could become the great Simon that I used to be because all the people left me and are now following this great Jesus. Maybe I could be the great Simon I used to be, and many people fall into that trap as well. They go back to who they used to be. Oh, it was easier. Oh, I like it. I got what I want, when I want it, how I wanted it. Uh, I got all that when it, when it was all about me, when I was great. And when all the crowd liked me, it was great. It was much easier. I had more friends. People liked me for who I used to be. But today, the answer is simple. Salvation, forgiveness is still being offered if you're willing to repent of the sin that's in your heart. But it's tragic to remain unrepentant and think that you are a believer. I want to say that again. It is tragic to remain unrepentant and to think that you are a believer. If you haven't figured it out yet, faith in the Lord is the hard road. 
we still walk through a dirty world where sin abounds, but grace abounds for those willing to choose to forsake all, to repent of the sin that's in their heart, and to follow Jesus, to take up the cross and to follow him. The true believers of Acts chapter 8 here are the ones that were willing to forsake the things of this world, participate in the spread of the gospel. But then we also see in this chapter a man whose heart wasn't quite right. So we see a contrast. We see, we see the true believers ripped out of their homes and going out and spreading the gospel. And then we see a guy like Simon who did all that stuff. He believed. He, he, he uh, was baptized in all that. He was hanging with the right people. He, in other words, he was maybe, let's just say he was in the church. Right? But is there sin in your heart today? Are you one who professes faith? Have you been baptized and you go to church regularly, but the sin in your heart is so abundant that it comes out in the things that you do and the words that you speak? You need to repent. And you can repent today, just like Peter told Simon. Pray to God so that you will not perish. You hear that? <laughs> Mr. Professing Believer, Mr. One Who's Been Baptized, Mr. One Who Hangs Out With The Church, Simon, repent or you're going to perish. And maybe you're somebody that's come upon this teaching somehow in some way, but you've never come to faith in Jesus at all. Well, the answer is the same for you. You heard the word of God today, a little bit of it anyway, right? Repent. Pray to God for forgiveness from the poison and the bondage that is in your heart. There was poison and bondage in Simon. Today can be the day that you are born again and begin to truly walk with the Lord. But I can't say this enough. It all begins with true and deep, heartfelt repentance. And you're willing to take up the cross. You're willing to die to yourself, to die to your old life, to come out of that way like the people who used to follow Simon the sorcerer. They came out of that and they came into the kingdom of God where Jesus is king. You see... This is how you can be set free from the poison of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is a living word. It is active. It is sharp. It cuts through us, Lord. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, Lord. It's your word that goes into the deepest part of our heart and exposes who we really are and who we really are not. And you call us at that place deep within us to repent. Your word causes us, calls us to repent, Lord. And I pray for anyone listening and myself, Lord, that we would take this seriously. 
that we would see what the word of God is saying, that those people that happen to come upon this teaching, those people that maybe just happen to listen for whatever reason, that they will take this seriously, Lord, and call out to you in repentance and become followers of you and come into the kingdom of your marvelous light where you shine forth, where you are the master, you are the king, you are Lord, and that we would bow before you and that you would lead and guide us through this life. Come what may, whether good times or bad, come what may, you are Lord of all, Jesus. So we thank you for this time in your word now. And we pray all of this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. God bless. Thank you for watching or listening, whichever the case may be. Uh, we will see you next time. If you haven't done so, you can go to our website, or to our YouTube page. You can subscribe uh, to follow us, find us on podcasts, follow us there as well. If you do, great. If you don't, God is great. God bless. We will see you next time.